You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. It's Wednesday, so it's time for Wayne on Wednesday with Wayne McCurry from FMB Wealth and Investment, Portfolio Manager at that institution. Wayne, it's Budget Day. Does Budget Day sort of change your normal schedule on a Wednesday, or do you just brush it aside and have a look tomorrow morning? No, look, I mean, I did look at it. Obviously, I know the highlights, but that's a good thing, eh? You know, 20 years ago, 25 years ago, Budget Day was a big day. Yes, because things would be announced that you didn't know any clue of what was going to happen. Whereas for a sustained time period now, I think since Chris Liebenberg or I think it might have been Chris Liebenberg or Trevor Manuel, one of them started introducing the medium-term budget plan. Right. So you've got a very good idea of what's going to happen. Also, you get the updates, I think, every month or maybe every quarter about revenue collection and expenditure. So you know more or less how the government's books are running. So it's not a surprise day anymore. And that, as I said, is a good thing. You know, you're not surprised with stuff out of the blue. And certainly this budget, the big items in this budget have been highlighted for a long time, bailing out Eskom. Uh, some tax relief, some tax incentives to put in solar, etc. So there's nothing. There's nothing. You don't go to a special function to watch the budget speech. No, that doesn't happen anymore. No, which is quite right. And then in the evening, you don't go to these uh, dinners where people tend to be clever, uh, talk about it, etc. What I normally do, Wayne is I, uh, around about uh, half an hour after the speech starts, I look at the bond market, I look at the currency market, and I say, okay, well, it's either really good or really bad. And good then tomorrow, bad, yeah. tomorrow morning, read some succinct articles in newspapers or on websites and that sort of thing and work it out. But there's no point in trying to be clever with such an enormous document. The speech is one thing, but the detail of the budget is so... Yeah. It's beyond my concentration span. Uh, but generally, I think given the movement in the capital markets. It's not been spectacularly well-received, but it's been okay. It's okay. Which is better, yeah. yeah. Better than some previous budgets. So that's yeah. good. Look, the real problem with the budget, and this, has been, this is going back decades now, is whenever the budget is presented, you get this warm, fuzzy feeling, it's all going to be okay, things are under control, and then all of a sudden... Nothing seems to happen, and in the next budget speech, you get the next warm, fuzzy feeling. Now, I know this is a different regime. I know we have essentially a new government in place, hopefully. But, you know, and it's not all the government's fault. We did have COVID. We did have the um, heavy downturn in commodity prices, etc. But, you know, the government's been promising to consolidate the debt at 45 percent you know yeah and then 50 and then 60 and then 70 and then 80. now i also know that it's not the government's fault either but this is the positive side during the trevor manual years when we had the huge chinese commodity boom i think our debt to gdp got below 25 percent eh? goodness me what is it you now, now 70, 73 74 percent now Somewhere around this, between 70 and 80. I'm not 100% sure. Okay. Look, it's not 100, which is damn good news. Mm. But still, 
you know, so as I said, you always get this good feeling and then somehow for whatever reasons, it doesn't seem to pan out. But we have, our, and, and we have had for a while now, uh, a highly competent uh, finance minister, you know, who's not going to let things run out of control. And hopefully, hopefully everyone's being too pessimistic about economic growth. You never know. I mean, that's almost dependent on ESCO more than anything else, I suppose. But no, there's no need to get overly optimistic or overly pessimistic. I mean, the government was the government was always going to bail out Eskom. So this announcement of the two fifty four billion, I mean, that was always going to happen because it cannot fail. You know, it's funny enough, Transnet, other than the coal and the iron ore line, Transnet could actually fail, or more correctly, has already failed because the the volume of freight on the rails is really low. Yeah, it's a disaster, and you haven't got yeah, the. Yes, so in other words, we're coping with that already. Yes. We've coped with AA disappearing. The private sector has taken up that part of you know the aviation market. So, but Eskom cannot fail. You know, private sector is very interesting, and is one of my little central, medium-term themes at the moment. I reckon in five years' time we'll have excess electricity. This investment by the private sector into electricity generation, mm -hmm. and not just big, everyone, you know, every single household who can afford it yeah, is looking into this, you know, panels on your roof type of thing. The amount of capital and the amount of generation capacity that's going to come on stream by, let's say, I don't know, 2025, 2026 is going to be astonishing. You know, I, I think Eskom might, I doubt if there'll be a minority supplier, but of the electricity consumed, they'll probably only be supplying 60 to 70% of that. You know, 30 to 40% of electricity is going to be consumed will actually be private sector. Is that because of the lack of demand, because of the, the malaise in the South African economy? In other words, we don't need no, no. to use so much because of industry not booming as it might, no, uh, as all. it should be, or is it because no, of the not, supply? Not, not at all. It's a supply issue. Okay. No, not at all about a demand issue. No, it's a pure supply issue. And I think we're going to see a new listings boom similar to we did, similar to what we saw in the mid-90s in financial services and in the 2000s in platinum shares and building and construction and building materials. I think we're going to see another new listings booms and this will all be renewable energy companies and startups. Of course, you know, once the market's saturated, we'll see how long these, uh, these new listings boom starts. But, you know, we're going to have guys coming to knock, we're going to have guys knocking on our doors saying, can we rent your roof? You know, we'll, we'll put the panels in, we'll do everything, and you rent us your roof. And then if you want to use electricity, we'll supply it to you at this price. And then other guys are going to come knocking at your door saying, you know, yeah, this new special deal we've got for solar panels and batteries and inverters and all of this. And we'll give you five years to pay it off. And yeah, the deal. And we're going to be absolutely swamped with this because we've had perpetual load setting essentially for three months now, probably uh, averaging level four. 
I'm listening to you now. We've spoken for many, many years now, and you've often come up with some very good ideas like the round, and you always write on the round, I have to say. And there are certain things you're also very right on. But um, I have to say that when I listen to you now, and I've just scribbled it down, you see there's going to be a new listings boom on the JSC, which will be reversing a massive trend that has been in the opposite direction. That's number one. And number two, a massive yeah. trend that's going to go in the opposite direction is that there's going to be excess electricity in South Africa. The days of load shedding are going to be over and you'll be able to you know, store as much electricity as you like just in case in the future. I don't know, Wayne. I'm not saying you're a little no. bit loopy, but I like your thinking, if it does happen. Look, and look, I'll record this private, now, and I'm putting it in my diary. Go on. No, no, 2025, 2026. Look, the, when the private sector, I mean, I know how bull markets work. When private sector capital gets motivated, there's overinvestment. And you can look at anything, whether it was the dot-com bubble or the housing bubble, or the golf course, you know, golf course bubble. When the private sector, <laughs> when they, when they, when that capital really gets motivated, you overinvest. There's always overinvestment because when it, when it, when that gets motivated, there's a, there is a real or perceived shortage of whatever is driving that investment, and because the private sector is not coordinated as a whole body. There's, 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 there's no limit. There's, there's normally overinvestment. And I think that's exactly what's going to happen now. And, you know, maybe the best example is, the, is either the, the housing boom or let's be more specific, the golf course boom during 2000s. Now, every single place next to a a stretch of water or even without a stretch of water or artificial water, there was a golf course built there. Yeah. And the amount of capital that was involved now, half of them sitting empty. So in other words, I think it's going to be overinvestment in this. It's a good thing because, I mean, I'm quite involved with slightly bigger scale than private investment uh, solar panels and stuff like that because I'm on the board of a property company yes. and we've been putting in solar panels for a long time now on top of our shopping centers and on top of the cars in the car park and all of that Yes. and nowadays okay look these are bigger installs, bigger installations but nowadays it's not even a case of you want to protect yourself from Eskom downtime, given the tariff that Eskom charges, it's actually a, it's a, it's a financial decision it actually makes sense to put it in because you get like three year four year payback on your capital and then it's for free after that well almost for free after that so you so say it's not even to protect you from load shedding it's actually a, a commercial decision as well mm. so not you just actually, a short-term fix it's, it's a long-term solution in other words that's what you're saying yeah so in other words if tomorrow Eskimo sorted out you wouldn't turn those panels off you would still install the panels because it actually makes commercial sense that whatever Eskom's charging now, I don't know whether it's one rand twenty or two rand twenty a kilowatt hour. I've just lost track, but it used to be twenty two cents, you know, twenty years ago. You know, and it's gone up, you know, by a factor of ten. You know, way more than the inflation rate. You know, so hopefully, with this capital that the government's going to inject. Uh, 
you will Eskom won't be asking Nursa for these massive capital increases so they can stay uh, cash flow solvent. You know, hopefully this will give them the breathing space to spend the money and buy the diesel and all that sort of stuff. Of course, I was looking at a blank piece of paper today. Now, this is not my original thought. It's actually some other guy's original thought. It doesn't matter. Plagiarize it, I say. a blank piece of paper. Mm. Yeah, just plagiarize it. Looking at a blank piece of paper today, you know what it reminded me of? No. All the new regulations and what's going to be done under the state of disaster because of Eskom. That was announced almost three weeks ago. We have had the sum total of zero. (laughs) We've got no idea what the state will be in a state of emergency, but we have absolutely no idea what's going to be done and what powers are going to be used and, and how this state of emergency is going to be uh, uh, going to, I suppose, come into place and what's going to happen. And absolutely not a single word. It's actually quite astonishing. So we're sitting here in a state of emergency in South Africa. But nothing's been gazetted, and we don't know. It's not like COVID, where the stuff actually came out quite quickly. Okay, but yeah, yeah, I suppose I, I, they, had, they had global examples to follow. But yeah, we've just seen absolutely nothing. Nickies. I get your point, Wayne. There's two things I'd like to say now. Firstly, when it comes to the ESCOM situation, will ESCOM be efficient enough to bring all this excess private-driven capacity into the grid where they allow it? Will the union say, well, you know what, you don't need as many as of us as you have in the past because of all this new power coming in and they'll be annoyed about it. And the second thing, and the most important thing to me, and I'm being frivolous now, is you're probably not a golfer. No, I'm definitely not a golfer. Thank you very much, you and I both. Wayne, there's been an an enormous amount of results coming out this week, notably yesterday. I I, I looked at my list and I thought, how can anyone analyse this in a day? It's impossible. No, Shapiro can. Yeah, I know, but Shapiro, Shapiro goes to bed at half past. Yeah, so, but, so, so Shapiro can easily do it. He'll, he'll probably do that before he has his breakfast, man. No, but breakfast, I mean, I don't know. He has his breakfast at like quarter to four in the morning or something, and these results aren't out then. Yes, yeah, so I mean, he wakes up half past three. He wakes up half past three and goes through the companies quickly. But they, they're not out by then, Wayne. So, I mean, we're, we're fantasizing now. But, yes, he is quite well, assiduous. No, but then, he has, then, he, then, 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 then he does it when he's having his cup of tea and a Mori biscuit, man doesn't have a Mari biscuit. He has some muesli or some um, berries or, or some or some low-fat yogurt from Woolies no, sure or something. It, I'm, sure, I'm sure at tea time, I'm sure at tea time he has an, um, a Mari or a tennis biscuit. We'll, we'll quiz yeah, him on I, this I, one. I think Shapiro, I think Shapiro is, a, is a Mari biscuit or tennis biscuit type of guy, or maybe shortbread, certainly a dry biscuit, and, and not a terribly sweet one either. And he probably dunks it. I can't it, imagine Zapera eating eating a big bowl of pudding or something. No, do you think he's a dunker or just he just eats it? You know, because I've just received a, a beautiful tube of biscuits from Fortnum and Mason in London. They're, they're situated on Piccadilly. The most delicious crisp biscuits, and they're flavoured with violet. And I dunk it into a cup of Earl Grey tea in the afternoon. And because it's so crisp and delicious, delicious, it doesn't fall apart. And it's no, just, it doesn't fall apart. Oh, That's the wonderful. problem when you dunk a tennis biscuit. Yeah, you could have done Galiver quick and get it out quickly, because otherwise mm. it disintegrates. But anyway, we're deviating from the company. Yes, we results. are. The point. The point is, you don't play yeah. golf. Give me one good one and one bad one from the last uh, forty-eight hours, please, Wayne. Okay, I can give you. I can give you a few good ones. Surprising enough. Go on. 
Bitcorp was just knock your socks off. It was so good. Good. But the market knew about this, so that's why the share price didn't change much. But they I mean they print a fifty percent increase in profits. I mean that's fantastic. Then the other good one is Standard Bank. I mean Standard Bank has also got a, a an APSA thing going on in Ghana. But still, despite that, the underlying business is flying. I mean, they've also double-digit earnings growth. I mean, even APSO, with a far bigger Ghana problem, showed an 11%. So the underlying banking, the actual banking operations in South Africa are doing extremely well. Very good. So that's another, that's, that's another, another good one. Motus mm. um, also came out, I think, with an excellent set. Even though the share price fell in the day, the share price went up strongly when they gave the trading update. So it was just giving back a little bit of profits. So that was astonishingly good. And then all the bad ones, and now I don't know whether you can call it bad or not. They're all cyclical. Are the mining companies. Mining companies' earnings are halving. Wayne, look at your screen today. And I can't even look at it now because it is horrible what's going on with the mining companies. The mining companies are being yeah, now, I did a bit of an investigation into that. Mm. I did a bit of an investigation into that. And remember, we spoke yeah. a while back, halfway through January, yes. that these mining shares are expensive. You did say so. They had done all the heavy listing. They had done all the heavy lifting on the JSE. Um, from October, the turn of the market, they gave 40% returns. Now they've given back about 15 or 16% of that. So, they ran ahead of underlying fundamentals because the underlying fundamentals in the very short term don't look that great. They don't look that terrible either, but they don't look that great. However, if, we, if this weakness carries on, and I hope it does, it will give us a buying opportunity because I'm extremely positive on mining shares on a five-year view. You said that, I, yes, I, but I, you're, I you've obviously bided new, your time well, Wayne. You've been patient. Yes. Other people would have blundered in, like a bull in a china shop or something, but you've waited your time. I mean, look at these. I just want to just give you an example now of how your patience will reward you. Anglo Gold down nearly 8%, Harmony down 7%, yeah. Anglo American Platinum down 7%, Kumba Iron Ore 6 and 3 quarters percent weaker, Alphamin, I don't know if that's an ex div story or something, but 15% weaker. I've never seen these numbers. These are huge. No, they're being, they are being pounded now. And that's all in the back of a global economic slowdown. Yeah. You know, the world is slowing down. We've had the highest inflation in 40 years and massive increase in interest rates. Of course, there's an economic impact. Despite what the jobs number said, despite there is an economic impact, and that's what these shares are reacting to. Now, I, you can't call the bottom. I think the platinum shares are cheap enough to buy. And maybe there's still another 30% downside. I've got no clue. But the actual core underlying valuations for the mining shares, to me, look uh, for the platinum shares, to me, look quite reasonable at these levels. I mean, they've come mm. off a lot, eh? They really platinum have. shares are off. Yeah. I'm never going to buy a gold share in my life. Of so course not. I can't really comment on gold. If I just said to you maybe two years ago that you could buy in two years forward Anglo American platinum shares less than half of what they are now, you would have said, okay, book me. Book me for late February 2023 and just buy as much as you can. You'd probably say yes to me, wouldn't you? I'm sure you would have said yes. I would. yes. 
Yes. Let, me, let me fill my boots. Yeah. Now I got you on that. So when 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 we look at at, at the actual platinum share prices, let's deal with Anglo American because this is truly the quality, the quality company. Yes, it is. I mean, the absolute peak we saw, which was oh, Feb last year, but it seemed to be a, a bit of a spike. It got to about two thousand five hundred a share. Then it came back with the rest of the market until October to one thousand two hundred. Then it shot up again to, uh, what was it here? I'm just trying to see it here. Then it shot up again to about uh, 1,900, and now it's back at 1,000 again. You know, this thing's only really been lower back on, on, on the COVID scare, and there it was a lot lower. I mean, it went to 600, 700, and I don't think the world's economy is going to go into a COVID tailspin over the next year. No. So in other words, you're buying this share at, you know, three-year lows. And if you ignore COVID, it's five-year lows just about. Okay. so that's, It does look cheap to me, but, mm. but it's probably going down more. But that still doesn't detract from the fact that the shares, in, in my view, are in value territory. I agree with you entirely. Uh, you can never pick the bottom, so just start nibbling away. I think that's what it is. Just very briefly, Wayne, this morning at around about half past 10, 11 o'clock South African time, the three top stocks on the upside on my screen were banks, Standard Bank, ABSA, yes. Nedbank. What happened? Why? Because ABSA came up with their results, their trading update. Yeah. And even though the earnings were only up 11%, as I said, because they had a we don't know the full extent yet, but they had a complete meltdown in in Ghana. Uh, you know the sovereign debt crisis in Ghana. Um, the, they still had a, a strong earnings number. You know, normally when you hit a catastrophe somewhere that that warrants, a, you know, a special mention. You know, you normally your profits don't go up. But I mean, let's take Standard Bank. Maybe a better example. You know, yeah, they say uh, the strong the impact of the sovereign debt challenges in Ghana were more than offset by strong performances across the rest of the group's franchises. So in other words, they're still showing they're showing a thirty percent earnings growth. And they had a Ghana problem. So what would it have been without the Ghana problem? Thirty five, forty percent? You know, what would Apsis has been without the Ghana problem? I don't know, 20%? And I saw some estimates that certainly Standard Bank, the Ghana story cost them about 5% earnings growth. And, you know, these things are at a nine price earnings ratio. So they're single-digit valuations, and you're showing 30% earnings growth. I mean, that's, that's just cheap. And I think that's why the banking shares – are running and the mining shares are falling behind. Yeah, it's a very interesting day on the JSC today, Wayne. We're going to have to cut it short here, but I do need to talk about food. I was going yes. to go through this whole thing. It's budget day, so if you didn't have that much money to spend on food, how would you budget and still make a delicious meal? Well, it's far too complicated rubbish. I went to um, a place on the North Sea in the south of the Netherlands today. It's, it's got its own mussel farm. It farms mussels Ooh. and it farms oysters as well. And you can see these things, and it's just wonderful. And it's got this incredible shop and restaurant attached to each other. And I went there and I bought 
I did the normal thing. I bought some some sliced tuna, sashimi grade tuna, but I bought eel. They'd cooked the eel, no. uh, just, uh, and and they presented beautifully these eel fillets. And I took them home, and they were cold. And I sprinkled them with um, some parsley and chives and some horseradish, and I nibbled away at these things with some hot chips. I know you like the chippies, as you call them, but the eel was yes. sensational and apparently very healthy for you as well. With all the I've never tried eel. Oh, you must. I've never, I've never seen it on the menu in South Africa. You wouldn't, I don't think. But here, it's quite no, a big I thing. I think it's a bit of a UK thing or a European thing, yeah. I think but so. But I'll tell you a story. This last weekend, go on then. I went to go and see a friend of mine who is a South African, but he's been in the UK and Singapore for many years now. Yes. And uh, he escaped the Great British winter hmm. and came up to Swakopmund for a month. Oh, Namibia, so said, well, fantastic. I'll, we'll, we'll, we'll come and see you for a weekend. So we went up there this last weekend to Swakopmund. And? What a lovely place. Oh, Beautiful. It's a fantastic place. And the food story was, is I've been to a, fan, they've got good steakhouses. Make mm. no mistake. Their steaks, their, their steak restaurants, their meats, exceptionally good. I went to a very nice uh, steak restaurant, and I had something we spoke about not that long ago. Mm. As a starter, they had bone, Marrow. Oh my goodness. And it was delicious. And interesting, I've had bone marrow many, many times, but these guys did it a little bit differently. So they grilled the they they cut the bone lengthwise. That's the one. Yeah. Yeah. And then they put it down this long piece of bone with the bone marrow in. But then they served it with finely grated onion sauce that you put on. Now, I've never associated onions like almost like a like a a pickle onion mix. Mm. I've never associated uh, bone marrow with a, a strong onion relish type of thing, but it was fantastic. Eh? And I must say, Swakopmund, we went into the desert, we went into the uh, we went to the oasis. Uh, it's such a lovely top. Did you go to the Skeleton Coast apart there to see all those towns that used to be? Uh, no, so, unfortunately, I've never been there. No, I'd love to do that. I've never actually been there. Mm, okay. Yeah, well, but there's one thing in, in Swakopmund, rush hour is not big, eh? A couple of cows. You know, during rush hour, you see three cars. <laughs> the rest of the time, you see maybe one car. Yeah. So if you want to go chill, if you want to go just hang out in a nice place with friendly people and good, nice choice of restaurants and nice food, and escape the rat race, that's your place. These, you know, these are sparsely populated. Nothing's ever a problem there. No one's ever in a rush. No one knocks you down when you're walking on the pavement. <laughs> no one bumps into you. It's, 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 a, it's really a nice place. And I must admit, I've, I've been there before mm. on two occasions, and I've been into the, the actual dunes, but I've never been into the desert because the desert's not where the dunes are. You know, the dunes is just sand, yes. whereas in the desert, it's actually, it's surprisingly enough, all the lichen or lichen or whatever you call it that grows on the ground, yeah. it's, it's, it's a very small, but it's actually a forest, eh? believe it or not. When you, when you get down and examine the actual ground itself, it is covered in plants, and you sprinkle a bit of, and you, when you touch the plant, 
it's almost like touching brittle uh, sandpaper. It's the, you sprinkle a bit of water on it, the thing changes, it becomes lush, it becomes pliable. It's actually astonishing. And then we, we saw quite a few plants. You know, you, you squash a leaf, it's full of moisture. It's amazing the water retention. I, I was actually fascinated by it. They had a very, very nice guide. You showed us around and uh, had a grand old time. Look, you can't really swim there. The water's not... Well, you know, I can do without swimming. I know you, you like to put your speedos yeah, on occasionally and uh, astonish the world, but I can do without the swimming. So Swakopmund is right at the top of my list, Wayne. Thank you very much indeed for the tip. No, it's lekker. And, uh, and it never gets terribly hot there. No, because they've got the mist that rolls in overnight and then oh, yeah. it sort of disappears about 10, half past 10. So you get nice, I mean, it, you still get, I mean, it's certainly warm, you know, you get the 26, 25, 26 sort of thing, but you never get the 40 degrees. So it's not, Swakopmund itself isn't desert heat at all because of because of the mist that rolls in. And, and the sea, you know, we saw some dolphins, there's quite a few seals, um, it's actually a lovely place. We're and into the, the aquarium. And, and it's also, a, it's Wayne, you've, you've, got aquarium, the, you've got the German influence, so it's nicely and yes. it's organised. I don't want to be stereotypical here, but yes, the German influence still shines through from yep. what I've heard. Wayne, I have to go now, but thank you very much for your insight okay. on Swakopmund and all the other things. Wayne McCurry is a portfolio manager at FNB Wealth and Investment, and that was Wayne on Wednesday. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organisation, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.